episode 316 of the unpopular podcast this is the man the myth the legend jalen hunter and here at the unpopular podcast i'm not really asking you to agree with me i'm asking you to hear me out let me first start by saying that i absolutely hate the nfl combine absolutely hate it i hate it bro i hate it for a couple reasons I understand, like it's a it's a showcase of how to, and and don't get me wrong, I hate the NBA Combine too. I hate the Combine in general. I'm gonna tell you why. I understand that it is a showcase to, or it's a the the ability to like to showcase your individual talents. I get it, I get it completely. But. What really is the combine? To me, the combine is the ability for scouts to finally start doing their job. Now, if you're dealing with an injury, no, no, the comp. Look, what I don't like is this: you have an entire season, whether it's an NFL season. I mean, whether it's a college football season, college basketball season, you have an entire season worth of tape. An entire season worth of tape. Now, yes, I understand the talent that or the talent level that's in college is clearly not the talent level in the NFL or the talent level in the NBA. And you may play a, uh, another NFL player or another NBA player maybe a few times a year. But again, you have there's tape for a reason. People tape games for a reason. You have game film. And in my opinion, game film is 10 times better than anything that you're going to do in the um, in the combine. Because game fam, you're seeing how they play in game. Now, you're probably asking yourself, well, Jay, <clears throat> what about the players that are hurt? Or what about the players that, you know, what about the players that may not have had the best of films? Well, that's why you have individual workouts. Again, scouts go to schools. For instance, Bryce Young. A big fuss was about or there there's a big fuss around Bryce Young right now in his height this always happens this happened with Russell Wilson this happened with Kyler Murray this height is a, a thing for quarterbacks which I understand if you look at some of the best quarterbacks in NFL history height is I mean Tom Brady was tall uh Joe Joey Burrow's tall Patrick Mahomes is pretty tall he's not like 5'10 so I understand that. I understand concern that you will have with height. I get that. But what Pete, what 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 scouts and GMs are allowing, or it feels like they're allowing, is height to really dictate Bryce Young's draft stock. Just completely 
overlooking the fact of he was when he's a former Heisman winner and he was arguably the best college football player his entire tenured or his he was the best college football quarterback when starting at Alabama better than CJ Stroud better than Will Levis better than Anthony Richardson better than every single quarterback that he was the best now you're probably thinking to yourself well there's still a risk on drafting him there's a risk in drafting everybody you never know who's hell you never know who's going to pop and who's not like you think people that watched Jamarcus Russell in college thought he was going to be what he was in the NFL no they wouldn't have drafted him so they wouldn't draft number one you think that people like People drafted Tim Tebow because he was one of the greatest college quarterbacks we've ever seen. Ain't really do nothing except a, a, a really brief run for, with the Broncos. So now you're letting Bryce Young's height dictate. And that's and this is why I say the combine allows or the combine allows an out. The combine allows people again there's game film you're telling me that you're going to learn 10 times more about a nolan smith who by the way a georgia defensive player that ran a 4-4 or something you think you're going to learn more than him or more about him in the combine that you could on tape you think that he's just going to shine that again and and here's another thing i know that I, I feel like i'm ranting right now and i probably am here's another thing if you're going to do the combine, the why is everybody doing the 40-yard dash? This I've always had a problem with this. I've always had a problem with this. Why is everyone doing the 40-yard dash? Why is a line why is a lineman doing a 40-yard dash? Why is a defensive lineman doing a 40-yard dash? If you're going to do a 40-yard dash, to me, the only people that should really have to do, or not have to, that should do the 40-yard dash is running backs, wide receivers, and probably corners. Why the hell am I watching Rashad Slater do a 40-yard dash? Look, man, I know I, damn, I started this episode hot. <laughs> I just, I just hate the... Here's the biggest reason why I hate the combine because the combine, the combine then gives justification of why or people start nitpicking at the combine, and people start there's draft stocks that plummet due to the combine, not not the fact and and it's like, for instance, Lamar Jackson, bro. Lamar Jackson was. Leaps and bounds, one of, if not the best player in college football when he was, I mean, he won a Heisman. I think he was like one of the youngest Heisman winners. And the man plummeted to like 30th to the Ravens. Deshaun Watson, you can have all the, we're not talking about what happened off field. But Deshaun Watson at Clemson was arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history. And you take Mitch Trubisky over him? The combine, the combine proves to me 
it, it kind of proves I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, leave in the comments. We'll talk about it. The combine to me just shows, just allows people to to finally do their job. Because again, there is game tape. What is a combine going to show? I mean, yes, you can go and talk to these people, but you can do that at their individuals. Bryce Young is not going to throw with the combine. There, he's going to wait until his uh, pro day. If you want to, if you want to talk to somebody so bad, go to their pro day. You don't have to go to the combine. The combine, to me, and it's not just football. It's well, we're talking about football now because it's happening right now. But it's, it's. I hate it, bro. I hate the combine. You dissect players, and now people get grades on on wingspan, or people get grades on on like what are we doing you saw what they did on tape what 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 is a combine going to show you that a tape can against opponents shouts out to everyone that goes to the combine man i mean i understand it i get it it's 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 a way to showcase just who you are but if i'm a top recruit or if i'm a top player it's like, no, go look at the film, bro. I just busted my ass a whole season. Go look at that. Go look at that, man. It just feels weird, man. I don't want to bring racial into it. I don't want to be, you know, bring. I don't want to do all that because it's. I don't think it's it's about racial. I don't think it's about racial. I don't think it's racial. But it feels like it. You're showcasing your talents to the world like you didn't just play a whole season. Like, And that's another thing. Like, Imagine if they don't do the combine. What happens? Well, then you have to force scouts, you have to force recruits, you have to force NFL scouts, NBA scouts to actually do their job and watch film or maybe go to games. Because you're telling me that, and, and that's what happened with Zach Wilson. <laughs> Zach Wilson blew people away his his pro day and got drafted what second, and now Zach Wilson's about to be out of the like out of there for the Jets. Again, I know I came strong, man. I, I know I did, bro, but. <sighs> Just just look at the Bryce Young situation. Now, all of a sudden, I understand that it, it is, again, you're, 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 you're about to spend millions on these people. I get it. Or not spend millions. That sounds crazy. <laughs> you're about to give millions to these people to play a sport. I get it. So you want to make sure everything's right. But what, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm dumb or maybe I'm lost. What do you think is more valuable? Um, watching somebody run in spandex and a shirt, a 40-yard dash to see how fast they are, or to watch a player actually play a game and see how they react to pressure, how they react to getting hit, how they hit, how fast they are on the field. Or do you just want to see a 40-yard, a, a, a 40-inch vert? Or in basketball, to me, basketball, the NBA combine is is the absolute like 
<laughs> I'm not gonna say the worst. I just I don't like either of them. But you're telling me that you couldn't in the season. You didn't know homie's wingspan. You didn't know if he can run a shuttle drill. Now I understand scrimmages. I I can appreciate that. Now there's no way you can. Well, maybe you can do five on or seven on seven in in the NFL uh, combine. Maybe do like no pads or whatever. But because I know the NBA for their combine, they do you know scrimmages with players that pretty much are going to be in the in the draft. But like the combine is lazy to me. It's just lazy, and it allows you to start nick picking nick picking players, and their draft stock goes down, and when it shouldn't have to. There should be no reason why a Heisman winner and Lamar Jackson, you start questioning the man won the Heisman as a quarterback, and now you're questioning his quarterback skills. Deshaun Watson led Clemson to a national championship, and now you think Mr. Trubisky's better than him. I don't like the combine, man. It, it just, it just, it's just, uh, it, it's a gateway to lazy scouting. Now it's like, oh, now it's time to do our job. No, bro, go watch my film. Go watch how I looked playing against Florida in Gainesville, or go watch how I looked playing Auburn, or how I looked playing, I don't know, a team, Oregon. Like, or Ohio State. Like, come on now. Michigan. I was just in the I was just in the national championship. Why am I doing this? Oh boy. <laughs> let me get off. Let me get off my soapbox. Actually, let me get let me get on another soapbox. Let me let's move forward. Um I've kind of I tried to stay away from this topic because uh, it's a it's a lot of personal stuff that's going on. Uh, but I've been asked to talk about it, so I'll talk about it. Um, so John Morant, there's been a couple of off court incidents that's been with John Morant. Now, a lot of these have been allegations. Um, some, you know, with the Celtics players and Celtics staff, I believe, or no, the Pacers, not the Celtics, Pacers staff. Uh, the newest report is about, like, John Morant, you know, beating up, I think it's a 12-year-old or something, or a 17-year-old or something like that. And I agree a lot with what Shannon Sharp has been saying about these topics when they come up. There's been a couple of them when it comes to John Morant. And while, yes, this is centered around John Morant, it's not just for John Morant. I make nowhere close to the money that professional athletes make. Hell, I'm I'm, I'm living, I'm scraping pennies together. So, I don't under, I will never, at least if I get to that point, then I'll get it. But right now, I don't understand the mindset of a millionaire because I am not a millionaire. I don't understand the mindset of somebody that grew up with nothing and now has uh, 
abundance of money. Because I never, that's, that, that's not my lifestyle. That's not what I can say. That's not my reality. And that's never been my reality. But one thing that I can understand is the need for growth. I can understand the need for reevaluation. You see, you're hearing a lot about what's going on with John Morant right now and a lot of his off the court situations with his friends and I don't know if they're family members, but I'll just say friends. That's involving a lot of things that can drastically dictate his lifestyle right now. You're hearing about guns. You're hearing about people getting jumped. You're hearing about physical altercations in public places. My thing is this. Well, no. I I don't I can't put myself in the mindset of a of a newly formed millionaire. <laughs> but one thing I, but but I can understand when John Morant is the millionaire. Not anybody else around him. However, everyone else around him can affect that million dollars. What do I mean by that? And it's not just John Morant. You're hearing a lot of stuff going on in college right now with Brandon Miller. And there was a young lady that lost her life in Alabama. I, I pray nothing but condolences for her family. By another player, and it turns out from reports that Brandon Miller was the one that gave homie the gun. Or you're hearing new reports about uh, Jalen Green at the, at, the, uh, at the combine. Getting arrested at the combine. What I'm saying is this, man. You work your ass off to get to where you are. I understand. I I wasn't able to do it, but I understand the work that needs to be put in to get to the NBA, to get to the NFL. And it seems like There are people, and, and and it's hard for people to to get up out of that or where they've been. Because I think it's very hard for them to understand that where they've been can drastically affect where they are and where they are going. I think John Moran is is of one of the most electric players in the league. 
I think Brandon Miller will be very uh, a, a very good basketball player in the NBA. I think, I mean, was it Jalen Green from Georgia? Uh, he was projected to go number one if um, Chicago, I think, keeps their pick. But you know what people don't understand? Or not understand. I think people understand. You know what people don't really anticipate? Or you know what people don't think will have? The, the saying is one, one situation, one moment can affect the rest of your life. And people don't. People don't take that into consideration a lot. Maybe because they feel like they don't have to. I don't know. But one situation can affect the rest of your life. And now that a lot of these athletes are making an absorbent amount of money, it affects the people around them. A lot of these athletes have staffs. Uh, you know, there's people on payroll. You have cooks. You have, you know, lawyers. That they, they, you not having money affects a lot of people. And and I'm not gonna go as far as Shannon Sharp was saying. You know, John Moran is not a thug or whatever. I'm not. I'm not going to go that route. What I'll say is. You have to take, even if you have no money, bro, you have to take a hard look at the people around you because the people around you and the people that you surround yourself with can be the same people that drag you down or lift you up. And one thing that's different about people with money and people without is that fall is a lot steeper. I'm not here calling into question John Moran's character or Brandon Miller's character or Jalen Green's character or anybody that's dealing with stuff off the court, off the field. But what I'm saying is this. And in conclusion to this topic, be careful with who you surround yourself with and really think hard about these moments and 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 what these moments can come with because trust and believe once they happen they happen one thing my mom's always said is there's absolutely nothing wrong with making decisions. What you have to be okay with though is every decision you make has a consequence. And you have to be okay with that consequence, whatever it is, because that's the decision that you made. I don't have millions to lose. Now I'm not saying that to say that I don't need to make this or I don't have a a lot of things that 
I have tied to me or I don't I, I, I am without consequence or anything. But what I'm saying is John Morant, you and I know he ain't listening, <laughs> but John Morant, bro. A lot of these reports that are coming out are just unnecessary. Especially when you have as much to lose as you do. Brandon Miller. The reports are just un... Like, think about your decisions before you make it. Because think about it, bro. Something happens, right? This happened to Allen Iverson. Something happens in a club or a bowling alley. A huge brawl happens. You may have not thrown a punch. You may not have thrown anything. You may have just stood there. But a huge brawl happens. Who are they going to say? Are they going to say Lil TT from down the block? Are they going to say Big Red? No. They're going to say John Morant was there. Again, that happened to Allen Iverson. John Morant was there. Or you and your friends go to the mall. Nine, ten, fifteen deep. An incident happens. Are they going to say Lil Pookie? You know, Lil Pookie was the one that, or Lil Pookie and his peoples jumped somebody. Or, you know, Big Rail and his peoples jumped somebody. Or are they going to say, John Morant and his peoples jumped somebody? Always be mindful of. Just know that every decision comes with a consequence, whether the consequence is good or bad. And are you okay with whatever consequence comes from that decision? So I'll say on that, man. Let's move forward. So Kevin Durant debuted, uh, made his son's debut the other day, and it went exactly how how we expected you see, Kevin Durant is is a is is a unique player. You know, Kevin Durant is a player that can fit anywhere, bro. Like you can because he is a he is Don't get it twisted. That doesn't work with everyone. And I I hear a lot of people saying, "Well, he's an all-time great." That yes. That is correct. But just because you're all-time great doesn't mean that you fit everywhere. That doesn't mean that it affects your greatness or whatever. It just means, like, you can't put, who's an all-time great? I'm sure you can't put Michael Jordan on every team because it just wouldn't work. You can't put LeBron James on every team. While, yes, LeBron James is 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 a system in and of itself that doesn't automatically work for hell. We just saw that. We just saw LeBron James playing alongside Russell Westbrook. It didn't work. That doesn't take away from LeBron's greatness. It doesn't take away from Russell Westbrook's greatness. It just doesn't work. 
Kevin Durant is different. Kevin Durant is somebody that you can put anywhere. And he's going to thrive because of his offensive skill set, because of his ability to adapt to any system or a system adapting to him, the his ability to play off the ball and still get his. He is a he is a very unique player. There's not too many players like that that we've ever seen in in, in any sport. So, I, I mean, I think it was like 23 points, but think of but look at that. He had 23 points his his debut. Devin Booker had 37. And while yes, we know Devin Booker is a bucket, we know Devin Booker is good at scoring. Playing with Kevin Durant opens a lot of lanes for people. I'm not attributing Golden State's greatness just to Kevin Durant, but look at look at some of those NBA finals. And Kevin Durant even got some of that, the ability to ha- or have to play. People have to play a one on one because you have to worry about a Steph Curry. You have to worry about a Clay Thompson. Devin Booker doesn't really have to. You don't really. You, you can't really worry about double teams and helps that much anymore because you have Kevin Durant on the floor. So. I think the question now is, you know, I I wanted to see how they look in. Does the, a lot of people are saying, does this make the Phoenix Suns the the favorite? Uh, at least to come out the West, I don't know. And I'm and and this is no slight against Kevin Durant. This is no slight against the Phoenix Suns. This is more of a, a indictment or or a praise of the Western Conference. I mean, if you look, there are multiple teams. Like, if you said that six or seven teams, like, any one of them could make the finals, and you would understand why. And, of course, Phoenix is one of them, but I do think that this is... People are asking if this is a legacy thing. For Kevin Durant, meaning like, is his legacy going to be shot if he doesn't win a championship or at least gets Phoenix to a championship? I think that there's a lot of people that's still upset with Kevin Durant for making his decision to go to Golden State. I understand that. I mean, what I what I get is because he's such a great player. That's what that's what people don't or lose sight of. Kevin Durant Kevin Durant is such a great player that it don't matter if you people wouldn't be of wouldn't feel some way if Kevin Durant went to his went to went to their team. But because Kevin Durant Kevin Durant is such a supreme player and then you're going to a Golden State Warriors team that just won 73 wins that beat them in the playoffs, you know, you know. So I do think that um, having Kevin Kevin Durant definitely puts them in prime position. I expect them to make a deep run and maybe even go to the finals. The Suns does it make? I don't know if I would go as far as to say does it make them the favorite. However, because you st- they're still not the number one seed. I mean, you still have Denver, and they're probably going to have a three time champion or three time 
uh, NBA MVP. You still have Memphis. You still have Golden State that looks like they flipped the switch, and, and Steph Curry is not even back. Uh, there's a lot of teams, bro. I, ju- I just think I think the debut just showed me, yeah. It just confirmed some things. It just confirmed that, yeah, that's that's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, and I think offensively, this te- the the Phoenix Suns are going to be a tough pill to swallow. Pause. Because again, you, you have two players that can give you fifty to sixty any night. Then you have a person that can give you fifteen and fifteen. Then you have DeAndre Ayton who doesn't really have to do much, just protect the rim. Who can also kind of step out and hit a, a hit a mid-range or hit a it's, – it's going to be tough. I do think that their bench got a little bit depleted, and I am interested to see, you know, how defensively how they, how they are because they also did play Charlotte without LaMelo Ball, seeing that he's out for the season. Um, they, I think there's a big test tomorrow. Going up against the Suns, I think. I mean, not the Suns, the the Dallas Mavericks. But uh, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, man. <laughs> and he looked damn good being Kevin Durant. And this is also Kevin Durant being out as long as he was with a leg injury. Or a knee injury, I think. And he came back and acted like nothing happened. It just looked like Kevin Durant. Again... There's not a lot of players that you can just place anywhere and they'll succeed. Melo was an all-time great. He, You can't place him anywhere and he'll succeed, as we've seen. As great as, as Kobe Bryant was, rest in peace, I don't think you can place him anywhere and he'll succeed. As great as Dwayne Wade was, you can't place him anywhere and he'll succeed. As great as Shaq was, as we clearly saw, you can't play Shaq anywhere and he'll just succeed. And I'm not saying that Kevin Durant is better than all these people. What I'm saying is Kevin Durant is one of those rare people that any system he works in or it's easy to adapt to him because he is he is he's not he's he doesn't need to be ball dominant to dominate the game. And I'm not like it's. It's Kevin Durant. But let's move forward. With Kevin Durant, um, you know, making his son's debut, it kind of got me thinking about how do some of the new additions to teams look? Now, this was a very active trade deadline. I'm not going to talk about all the trades or whatever. I'm not going to talk about all the 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 I'm not going to talk about all the moves and how every player looks, but I'm going to talk about one, two, three, four, four players and how they kind of look drastically different to a sense. Let's 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 get it started. Let me start with uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook going from L.A. or going from the Lakers to the Clippers. Well, Lakers to Utah to the Clippers. The Clippers are currently what? Oh, and four with Russell Westbrook as a starter. And a lot of people are trying are giving heat to Russell Westbrook, you know, like they're they're pretty much all blaming it on Russell Westbrook. You know how they do. 
I'm here to give blame where blame is due. And the blame that I have for Westbrook is he is being exactly what he's been. And we have to accept that. And that is Russell Westbrook has a high motor. In fact, think about this. You can exp- you can describe Westbrook the same exact way he's always been. Like, if I was talking about Westbrook in year one, Westbrook in year 10, Westbrook in year seven, it's the same thing. He's a high motor, intense point guard who while he does he he is able to make a lot of assists and have a lot of play like a lot of highlight plays as far as assists and of course highlight dunks and everything Russell Westbrook is not a good shooter and he is a high turnover guard he's been like that his entire career he was like that with Kevin Durant he was like that when he was by himself and of course when the MVP he was like that when he had Paul George and OKC with Carmelo Anthony, he was like that in Houston, he was like that in Washington, he was like that in the lake on the Lakers. Russell Westbrook is just being who he's been. And like I've said on countless, countless times, you can't change the nature of somebody if they've been like that their whole life and feel no reason to change. Like Westbrook doesn't think he needs to change, and there's and if he does, cool. Well, I mean, why would you think you need to change if where if if well, yes, he hasn't won a championship, but it's gotten him, of course, a triple double uh, crown. It's gotten him MVPs. He's gotten him to the NBA. Westbrook is who he is. But that's not the biggest problem with the Clippers. Don't get me wrong. That is Westbrook being who he is is where the blame lies with Westbrook. I can, it's not Westbrook's fault that Norman Powell has forgot how to shoot. And it's been like that for a couple months now. He hasn't been well, he hasn't been playing good most of the season. It's not Westbrook's fault that Kawhi Leonard and the entire Clippers team, which, by the way, was supposed to be a defensive-related team, has been playing defense these last few weeks, or hasn't really been playing defense since Kawhi Leonard has been a, a, a regular uniformed player. They have not been playing defense this, most of this year, and this is a team that has a multiple-time defensive player of the year in Kawhi Leonard, that has Paul George, who's known to be a really good two-way player. They just have not been playing defense. That's not Russell Westbrook's fault. It's not like they were the number one defensive player when Westbrook got there, and now they're just trash. No, they are not playing defense. It's, again, it, it's not, you can't just blame one player. Because it's not one player's fault. Because, again, a a lot of these problems are getting amplified now because there's more media on the Clippers because, I mean, you have Russell Westbrook and we know the the media circus that Russell Westbrook attracts. Not not because his own merit is just because people love to, to kill Westbrook. 
But don't get it twisted. And this is why I said maybe a couple episodes ago that we may have too much stock on the Clippers because, well, yes, the Clippers have a lot of names. Kawhi Leonard's a big name and is a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, Robert Covington. Is he still on the Clippers? I think so. <laughs> Terrence Mann. While you have all these names, they're only one game above 500. I think they're like 33 and 32. So, it's not. It's, I think the question is can Westbrook be a starting point guard on a championship caliber team? And. I really don't have an answer. I I don't I don't know. I know that's kind of a cop out, but I really don't know because like he hasn't been. And he's been on teams that were good enough to win a champ. I mean, hell, he the Oklahoma City team that had him, Kevin Durant and James Harden come off the bench went to the NBA finals and, you know. And that's and and again, it's just because you win or don't win a ring doesn't dictate your greatness, i.e. Charles Barkley. But I don't know. I don't know if Westbrook. I don't know if if Westbrook can lead a team and as at the starting point guard position and be a, 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 a lead a team to a championship. Now, when I say lead the team, I'm not saying he has to be the best player because obviously he's not the best player on the Clippers right now. But, and I'm not saying that they're not going to win a game, but they're currently 0-4. And while no, it's not just Westbrook, like I said, Westbrook is the starting point guard. So Let's talk about Kyrie and the Mavs. Um, Kyrie, what's happening with the Mavericks is exactly what I said would happen. Kyrie looks incredible. Luka looks incredible. Um... A lot of people are focusing on their win-loss, which I don't really care about right now. What I'm focusing on is what we knew was going to happen and what, I guess, in con- in contrast to what we thought was going to happen. You see, there's never been a team. There's never been a team in the history of the NBA that has won a championship solely based on offense never a lot of people say but what about the golden state Warriors?" yeah and with with kevin durant why yes they were leaps and bounds better offensively than everyone they were still a top five defense every single time they've won a championship if not top five at least top 10 because you can even go back to the 2015 nba uh golden state Warriors. that, that championship they were a top 10 defensive team I know it's 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 easy to get lost in the fact that you have Steph Curry, who's the greatest shooter ever. You have Klay Thompson. You had Kevin Durant, but they still played tremendous defense. You can go back. Lakers top defense when they played in the bubble. The the the, the, the Raptors when they put, even though I think Golden State probably should have won or would have won if they were healthy. Raptors were a top defense. The the Bucks. Hell, 
Golden State was a top 10 defense last year. What I'm saying is there has never been a team in the history of the NBA that has that has been a a a bottom five defense and one. I think maybe one, and that might have been one of those Lakers teams. Maybe one. I think the I think one of the Kobe and Shaq team, one of those three Pete's. Or one of those uh championship teams in the three peat maybe was a was out of the top ten, but that's it. When you look at the Dallas Mavericks, they are they are all offense. I mean, just the other night, Kyrie had forty points. Luca had forty two. They beat the the Sixers. But again, they can't stop anybody. Luca doesn't play defense. Luca might even play worse defense than Kyrie. Kyrie doesn't play defense. Like there's nobody on Christian Wood doesn't play defense. Wow, yes, I knew it was gonna look good. It was gonna be flashy. You have art you have the arguably the, the 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 player with the greatest handles of all time on one team. And then you have Luka Doncic, who's arguably one of the greatest foreign players we've ever seen. This was going and they both are a bucket. Don't get me wrong. You can have your feelings about Luka. You can have your feelings about Kyrie Irving. They both are superior athletes. And superior basketball players, especially offensively. But defensively, they're not good. Or they don't they don't put effort into the defensive side of the ball, which okay. So what I'm saying is, while yes, they're gonna win some games, I just don't think they're championship they're a championship caliber team because they don't focus enough on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, they can outscore the hell out of people, but what happens when you're in a slug them out, slug it out game, and you know the the ref starts swallowing the whistle? Like what what happens after that? I think I think Kyrie, it, I don't think it fits because they're both offensive late. But I think it's a beautiful like it's a it's a cool brand of basketball to watch, but it doesn't really fit defensively at least. Which is why I think that I don't think that they're going to win a championship. I don't even think that they 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 can probably make it to the second round of Western Conference Finals. Hell, they even probably could make it to the NBA Finals. But I can't see them beating a top team four times in the East. And I honestly don't see them beating a top team in the West four times. Especially when defense matters. But I think Kyrie Irving has been exactly what we thought Kyrie Irving would be an offensive. I mean, he's the leading scorer in the fourth quarter in the NBA. Like I didn't, I didn't really expect failure <laughs> on the offensive side of the board. So, offensive side of the ball, at least. So, I want to talk about James Wiseman for a second. And James Wiseman to me is a perfect example of. Sometimes, you know, I say this, I say this on the podcast all the time. Fit matters. James Wiseman is a perfect example of sometimes you just need a different a different scenery to to flourish. James Wiseman is playing incredible in in Detroit, right? 
incredible is a strong word. <laughs> James Wiseman is playing really well in Detroit right now. Now, here's the problem with Golden State. And, and the problem, here's the problem with Golden State. The problem with Golden State is they are, they're, they're, it's hard to adjust to greatness, especially as a young player. It's, the problem with Golden State is they've been great for so long. They expect or they hope that players can just come and adapt to their system. But their system is very difficult to adapt to. I, I understand you think, well, all it is is just moving around. That's not the case at all. You have it's 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 understanding constant movement and not just with you, but constant moving with everyone and and spacing and Understanding where Steph gets his, where Steph likes the ball, where Clay likes the ball, understanding where Jordan Poole likes the ball, understanding where Draymond Green is going to be. It is difficult to, it's difficult to watch, but not in the sense of like, wow, that's bad basketball. It's difficult to understand what we're watching, but we know we're watching something great when they're firing on all cylinders. That is hard for a player especially a young player, especially a young big player. Why do you think that a lot of the bigs that have worked in Golden State, one, aren't young, and two, aren't really the most ball-dominant? I mean, look at Kavon Looney, JaVale McGee, hell, Zaza Pachulia, but he had that Kevin Durant. Hell, we can even say Kevin Durant. A lot of those bigs are not con are not conventional bigs or they're bigs that don't really thrive. Like, they don't need the ball. Maybe they catch a lot. Maybe they set really good screens. Maybe they're, uh, what? They're, they're, they're rim protectors. What I'm saying is it's very hard for a player, especially a young big man, to adapt to that system. And then on top of all that, James Wiseman had health issues. And his, his rehab was, was not aligning with the current, situation for golden state which is golden state still has a window of 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 a championship window their championship window is still open they also understand that it's not going to be open for long clay's getting older steph's getting older draymond green may not even be there in the next year or two that that championship window is closing fast and they you don't they don't have time developing a player that may be here after Steph Curry's going to be here. Or after Steph Curry's prime's over. After Klay Thompson's prime's over. So you want to capitalize. You want to go for it when you can. Because a lot of teams can't do that. So that's why James Wiseman wasn't working for their timeline. It wasn't working on their timeline. Because he kept getting hurt. And again, it's hard to understand that system. There, I don't know how many times I watched. And, and people, you can go watch. Watch Golden State. James Wiseman looks lost on the on the court. Like, what what am I doing? Like, bro, what are you doing? Now, when you look at Detroit, which is a completely different system, he's flourishing. They're a, I think. Now, no, it's not really attributing wins, but it's it's Detroit. You know, you have an organization like Golden State compared to an organization like Detroit. 
But he's looked really good. James Wiseman is a player that thrives with the ball in his hand and being able to the offense kind of go through him. Now, I am interested to see what James Wiseman looks like when Cade Cunningham comes back. So then you have Cade, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Durant. Like you, I, I, want, I want to see what they look like with a healthy team. But James Wiseman look, has looked really good for Detroit, very good for Detroit. And it just proves that sometimes the grass is most definitely greener on the other side. Sometimes. And I'm happy for James Wiseman. I, I thought – Golden State thought it needed James Wiseman to be a big piece for him. That's why now if you look at Golden State, I think that they should target a guy like Nerlens Noel, maybe a Serge Ibaka, hell, maybe a Dwight Howard. They just need another big, a big man. Because while Kevon Looney has been good, don't get me wrong, when Kevon Looney goes to the bench and you have Jermichael Green as your center, that is, he's not a center. And if you can get someone that can protect the rim, if you can get someone that can catch lobs like a Nerlens Noel, like maybe or maybe get some a big that can stretch the floor like a Serge Ibaka, I would go for that. But back to James Wiseman. James Wiseman has been really good in Detroit. And while I don't know, you know, I think that he's just going to get better with time. And I just don't think, to, at least right now, Golden State time is not what Golden State has. They, and they understand that, which is why they dealt James Wiseman for essentially Garen Payton the second again. So, I was going to talk about Mikael Bridges, but which, which is kind of Mikael Bridges has been going crazy offensively, and I w- I'm kind of shocked because I mean Mikael Bridges, while he is a very good player in Phoenix, he was mainly known for three and D, and he was known for you know his defense as well as hitting hitting some 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 tough buckets but that man's his offensive explosion has been going crazy in 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 Brooklyn so well no Brooklyn hasn't won that much since he's been there they've been great he's he's been great so um those are some players that you know just talking about how they're doing on their new teams and and I'm excited to see what it's going to look like moving forward uh you know, we're about 20 to 25 games left in the NBA regular season. So teams are really starting to buckle down. And, hell, Golden State right now I think is on a three- or four-game win streak. The end, go, and Steph Curry is supposed to be coming back Sunday. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I am interested to see, you know, how is this Russell Westbrook thing going to play out in the playoffs? Or, you know, I, I want to see Kyrie and the Mavs once they get to the playoffs and play meaningful basketball. So, was that it? Let's move forward. I want to share. I want to shout out the Bruins, man. Uh, the Bruins just hit a hundred goals for the season, uh, which is the second all-time for a season to Montreal. I think Montreal had like one thirty or something like that. Um, this this Bruins team is. They went all in, man. The Bruins went all in. And when I mean they went all in, they they swung big, they paid big, and it's it's paying off. I mean I was talking to a player and that I work with and they just the they just he said very simply, 
yo, it's going to be almost impossible to beat this team in a series. And they just got, what, Garrett uh, Hathaway and um, Dimitri Olaf from the Capitals. Now, understand, shouts out to the Rangers for getting Patrick Kane. We talked about Patrick Kane. And what I'm saying, what I'm seeing is, what we're seeing is this, actually. We're seeing teams, teams are closer than ever. I mean, if you look in the Eastern Conference right now, Carolina has the best record with uh, 39 and 12. New Jersey Devils are 40 and 15. The Rangers are 35 and 18. That's that's in the Metropolitan. In the Atlantic, you have Boston with forty eight and eight, Maple Leafs thirty eight and sixteen, Tampa Bay thirty seven and nineteen. You go to the West, Dallas is thirty three and sixteen, Minnesota is thirty five and twenty one, Colorado was thirty four twenty, uh, Vegas is thirty six and nineteen, Los Angeles is thirty five and twenty. Like while. <laughs> There's two feelings that's going on right now in, in in hockey. One feeling is is wide open, you know the 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 it, it is wide open as far as there is opportunity galore to to maybe make some noise in the playoffs. But then there's also a sense of like I talked to a uh, said player. You have a you have a Boston Bruins team that doesn't have a hole. So you look and it's like, how do we win? They went all in. They went all in this year. You you can tell by their spending. You can tell by their offseason or their their at trade deadline moves. You can tell they just went all in. And now it's paying off. Again, shouts out to the Bruins for hitting the 100-goal mark this season. They were on pace to have the they, – they, they stumbled a little bit, but they were on pace to have the most wins in the regular season. And this – again, this team – the, the, the Bruins do not have a hold. They their whole was defense, but of course the moves they made with the Capitals and the trade deadline that kind of shored that up. Dmitry Olaf is a great defenseman, so I'm excited to see what the playoffs look like. But I mean, it, it just kind of really feels like a, a, a it kind of feels like it's 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 going to be tough to. See to bet against the Boston Bruins. Because, again, and it's not just because they got, it's not because they got, um, or it's not because the 100 gold mark, but it's because they don't have holes. Like, when you look in any sport, the teams have holes somewhere. And it's usually those holes are exploited. Hell, we saw it in the Super Bowl. The Eagles' hole was their defense. Well, their defensive back, like the back, like the the backfield, that was exposed. 
you also saw in the NBA Finals, Boston's Boston Celtics, their weakness was turnovers. It was also outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They didn't really have another scorer. Golden State capitalized. The bit, the problem is, I the, the thing is, I don't see a hole with the Boston Bruins. They're a fast team. They're a physical team. Their defense is great. Their goalie's really good. They can score with any, I mean, they're, they're the best scoring team, and 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 they have a hundred and one points. They're twenty five and two, and they're twenty five two and three at home. Twenty three six and two away. And they're nine and one in their last ten games. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Tough, tough, tough. Let's move forward. I saw the article. It's gonna sound like hate. It really is. It's just honesty. I saw the article uh the other day about Jimmy G. And they were saying how Jimmy G is going to be like free agency's biggest steal or something or one of free agency's biggest steal. Here's the thing. I don't think Jimmy G's talent was never questioned. I'm never questioning the talent of Jimmy Garoppolo. I I think Jimmy Garopp, Jimmy G is good enough to win you games. I mean, we saw that, of course, in San Francisco. We also saw that in, in New England. Jimmy G is good enough to win you games. That is never, to me, that's not the question. That, that shouldn't be in question. My question and my, my thing is, and I may be a little harder on Jimmy G than a lot of people for, I guess, some reason. But what's Jimmy G's value to a team? And I mean that in, we've already established that Jimmy G needs a lot to succeed. He needs a good offensive line. He needs a good defense. He needs solid weapons. He had all that in abundance in the 49ers and still couldn't make it work. He had a 10-point lead, I think, in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl against Kansas City and lost because he couldn't make the big plays when they needed to be made. And now, with all that, he kind of has a label of of, uh, injury prone. So, I think Jimmy G's good, but I don't know how much he elevates a team that may not be as complete as the 49ers were, which there aren't many teams in the league that are. Not to mention, if you need a quarterback, you are if, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, i.e. the Raiders, i.e. the Colts, i.e. Washington, you're not really there. Sorry. So when you say, you know, biggest uh biggest draft still or biggest free agency still, I don't know about that. 
because I don't know just how much value Jimmy G brings to a team that isn't complete or that doesn't have the necessary pieces that the 49ers have. And he couldn't even succeed really in the 49ers as much as he should have. I mean, the 49ers have been one of the best, if not the best roster for a good minute now, and they don't have a championship. They don't have a Super Bowl. And I'm not putting it all on Jimmy G, but a lot of that is Jimmy G. And if you go back to some of those moments where he needed to be big, he he was unable to be. Again, the one of the, the knocks on Jimmy G is he'll give you one. He'll give you one or two. Just got to go get it for the def- at the de- the defense. So I don't know how much more how much better he makes a a Raiders where their offensive line is not that good and their defense really isn't that good outside of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. I don't know how much different or how much he makes Washington better, even though Washington does have a good a really good defense and has some peace on the weapons on the you know Terry McGore and everything. You all, and you have Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator now. You also their offensive line is not that good. And while yes, he I think he'll be better than Sam uh, Sam Howell. I think he's better than Taylor Heineke. I don't think Jimmy G being a, a, a commander would move the needle like that. You know. Um. So yeah, man, I, I'm not trying to bash Jimmy G. I'm just saying, like, what really is his value? I think he deserves to be on a team, but I don't think that team should automatically. Oh, we got Jimmy G. We're championship late. No, I could be wrong. Hell, I was drastically wrong about Jared Goff. I thought Jared Goff was done for. I thought Jared Goff was it was over with for Jared Goff, especially when he went to Detroit. And turns out you pair him with Dan Campbell and uh, some weapons on the outside, some good pieces, a good running game. And now Jared Goff looks like a really good quarterback. I still don't think he's a championship caliber quarterback, but I he's a really good quarterback. So I could be wrong about Jimmy G. But what we've seen from Jimmy G, he's not changing the franchise around. That's just not happening. So. Actually, I don't know if that's happening or not. I just don't think it's happening. That's all I'm saying. Let's move forward. Ooh. <laughs> Yo, it is. Uh, it's been pretty loud in Baltimore <laughs> this offseason, to say the least, man. From the contract situation with Lamar Jackson to now. The GM coming out of the combine pretty much saying that we don't have enough wide receiver talent. It's been pretty loud. Here's the thing. I've always been critical of the the way that the Ravens are building around Lamar Jackson, uh, prefer, especially when we talk about the wide receiver core and how if you look at a lot of wide receiver, I mean, if you look at a lot of you know, teams, the success of the quarterback elevates once you pair them with a number one receiver, i.e., you saw Josh Allen. He didn't, well, you pair him alongside Stephen, uh, Stephon Diggs, bada bing, bada boom, Aaron Rodgers, Jamal, uh, De- Don- Devontae Adams. 
Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. You know? Which, I mean, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. What I'm saying is, these people, once you pair them alongside a number one receiver, they just, they, they flourish. I have been very critical with the Ravens because I don't think they've had a number one wide number one receiver as far as the the talent caliber. Maybe Rashad Bateman could be that, and that's kind of where the story is 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 being focused on. Is Rashad Bateman responded to the GM pretty much saying if we were if we knew how to draft a wide receiver we'd be better. Um, and he was just like, well, you know, you didn't put us in a situation to win. Here's the thing. You know what this whole offseason has showed me about Baltimore? Is that it showed me two things. It showed me, A, people in that locker room love Lamar Jackson. Because I haven't heard one person like, and it hasn't even come out that people are upset with Lamar. Like they, Rashad Bateman's just supported Lamar. Uh, Dobbs report, uh, supported Lamar after their loss like people love Lamar Jackson it's not they're not they don't feel I don't think they feel like he's being selfish they just feel he commands money and he should be paid that what it also showed me is and I guess I forgot about this (laughs) I forgot about the wide receivers that are there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, we always talk about, oh, they need a number one receiver. But nobody really thinks about, oh, well, what about the people that are there? They can actually hear this. You see, it's very difficult getting, especially when the Ravens are very rarely drafting low. Like, they're not drafting number one, two, three. Like, they're very rarely drafting that low because of how good they are. And it kind of goes back to the draft combine conversation we had at the top of the show. It's very the, you take a risk all the time. Of course, the draft and there are some people that are just locks. Shannon Sharp said it, and I completely agree. You think that it's very difficult drafting a quarterback? Try drafting a wide receiver. Do you know how? Do you know how many times a wide receiver has been picked and hasn't panned out? I.e. Remember how good Sammy Watkins was in college in Clemson and how he hasn't really been that. Now, you can you can attest that the injury or whatever, but Sammy Watkins has been nowhere close to the Sammy Watkins. He was in at Clemson, not even close. Nikhil Harry. It is very difficult, very drafting a wide receiver because you never know. So. You know, the people that land, the landing a DeAndre Hopkins is, is rare out of the draft. Landing a Devontae Adams is rare. I mean, hell, it took Devontae Adams like three years to bloom with Aaron Rodgers. That's Aaron Rodgers. Landing a Jamar Chase, one, you have to be bad because Jamar Chase was a top pick, but landing a Cooper Cup is rare. Which is why usually when you get a number one receiver, and you don't draft him, you have to go get him in free agency or trades. The 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 Bills went and got Stefan Diggs. They didn't they didn't get him in the draft. So and while we're sure, we don't know if Rash- I don't think Rashad Bateman is gonna be as good as Stefan Diggs, but 
We Rashad Bateman could be a number one receiver. He just has to stay healthy. But it's just a lot of noise. And that is very rare for the for the Ravens. The Ravens is usually known as a buttoned up organization. It has been very noisy. Noisy. <laughs> it has been a very noisy offseason for Baltimore. Very noisy. No noisy. And that usually doesn't bode well. I mean, the reports for Lamar Jackson's contract, it's like a seesaw at this point. That's that doesn't look like it has any um <laughs> any hope of 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 fixing itself unless Lamar gets what he wants. And then it's like I I'm very curious to see what the Ravens look like week one of the NFL season. Who's on the team, what they look like. Because this has been a loud offseason. Loud. And usually, one thing I will, Colin Cowherd said this. Um, one thing I will agree with, I, I, I disagree with him with a lot of things. I agree with him with a lot of things. But one thing that I do agree with him with is, if you really look, if you have a loud offseason and not loud as far as, you know, getting a whole bunch of draft picks or or getting a you know getting a, a, a top free agent or whatever if you're if you have a loud off season for bad reasons nine times out of ten you don't have a good season i don't remember the last team that had a very loud off season hell you know who had the loudest off season last year the the packers and you see what happened with them so I'm I'm curious to see what happens with the Ravens, but it has been loud. <laughs> we'll say that. Uh, lastly, before we go, I did want to shout out uh, a uh, Anthony. God damn, was it Anthony Davis? A Tony Anthony Davis? I don't. I know I said your name wrong, bro. Anton Anton Anthony something Davis. Homie from Detroit Mercy. Uh, he fell short like three points, breaking the all-time NCAA record in scoring. Um, Pistol Pete holds the record with 3,667. I think uh, Davis finished with 3,664. And it was tough. And his team's not good enough, of course, Detroit Mercy's not good enough to make it to the NCAA tournament, but he may make it to the NIT. I don't know. Like, if he makes it to a, a, a tournament, he's good in. Uh, he's definitely. I mean, it's three points, and he averages damn near like twenty five, twenty six. So I think he's gonna do it. But that's if he. I don't know how the team. I mean, I don't know if the team's good enough to even make it to the NIT. They've been struggling this year. Now. That's not that's not because of him. In fact, let me go to their record. That's not because of him because he's been he's been doing the best he can with what he got. <laughs> oh boy, let me see. They are fourteen and nineteen. So yeah, I doubt they're going to make it to NIT. But I did want to shout out uh, Davis for just falling three points short of the NCAA all time scoring record. That's not, I mean, hell, Pistol Pete, that's Pistol Pete, bro. Again, out of, there's been some great college basketball players. When we talk about, offensively, when we talk about Jimmer Fredette, we talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
talk about Michael Jordan, Anthony Davis, uh, you know, Steph Curry. There's been some incredible uh, – J.J. Redick, Jay Williams. There's been some incredible college basketball players. And the fact that he uh, – Davis was three points shy of – a three or four, four points shy of breaking the all-time men's college basketball scoring record by Pistol Pete is crazy. So I did want to just say shouts out to him, man. That's how we end the show. I appreciate y'all, man. I, I truly, truly appreciate y'all. Uh, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link's in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Definitely will not regret it. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. Hey, yo, I, I finally got to 500 subscribers. Uh, I appreciate everyone that subscribed, everyone that unsubscribed. Uh, which means that you were subscribed at one time. <laughs> I appreciate everyone, man. It definitely means a lot. It means a whole lot to me. I didn't think I would care that much, but I really do. Like, f at least 500 people care about what I got to say is insane. Uh, but I do appreciate you guys, and I'm trying to continue to grow the podcast, and I can't do it without you guys' help. Again, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the Instagram or follow the Instagram, follow the TikTok uh just just please you know just help me it means a lot uh and until next time much love you know time is i swear i'm gonna be up to breakfast Looking in the mirror, no flexes Worried do I lay my pants
got an ocean. Spin like Saint Laurent. Nothing for a sea. Speed on the auto bomb.